Hi friends, it's Pastor Drew Wilkerson from Bridgewater Church. Hey, thanks for stopping by this podcast. It's our prayer that as you listen, God will speak to your heart and you will feel inspired and you'll learn new things that will help you in your daily walk with God and just in life in general. So again, thanks for stopping by and thanks for listening. Good morning, everyone. I'm so glad that you have joined us on this Sunday morning or whenever you're catching the message through the week. You are part of our Bridgewater Church family, and we are so grateful for you and for everyone that calls this church their home. We're diving back into the story of Esther, and as we do, a question has come to my my own mind. Has there ever been a time when God said, it's time to stand up and trust me? Just trust me. Believe that I am real. I found a story about a young woman back in, not too long ago, but in 2015, a seventh grader named Jordan Woolley, living in Katy, Texas, was given a quiz or some type of an assessment by her teacher at school. All the students were asked to distinguish between something that is fact or an opinion. On the list of statements, this was included. There is a God, fact or opinion. The way that Jordan answered the question brought about a comment from the teacher. Jordan said that the answer to the question depended on what you believed about God by faith. Is God real? Now, what the teacher was wanting from her students was to answer that belief in God was a commonplace assertion. And when Jordan answered the way that she did, her teacher said, that's not the right answer. God isn't real. Well, this led Jordan and her mother all the way to a time of testimony in front of the Katy School Board in, in 2015. And as she was explaining, something really stood out to me. Jordan said, based on my religion and based on what I think and believe, I do not believe that the, my faith in God is a commonplace assertion. Well, the homework was pulled, the test was taken out of the class, and some type of discussion was had with that teacher. I can't help but think that Jordan would have been blessed by a relationship with Queen Esther had their time been in the same realm. Because Esther was a young woman that stood up for what she believed in. Esther was a young woman who was asked by God and her adoptive dad, Mordecai, to go to the king and plead for the Jewish people. 
In fact, that's where we left Esther last week. Esther and Mordecai and all of the Jews of Susa were preaching, are preaching. Jeez, I am telling you what, my brain is, is not in gear this morning. Hold on, let's just do that again. All right. Good morning, everyone. It is so great to have every person connecting with Bridgewater Church. We're so thankful that you are watching online with us, whether it's Sunday or whether it's any time throughout the week. You are part of this family. And I'm excited because as we dive back into the story of Esther, a question has been coming to my mind. When was the last time that God asked you and me to stand up for what we believe in? When was the last time that we had to stand up and put all of our trust in God in a life-changing moment? Jordan Woolley, seventh grader, back in 2015, she knew what that felt like. There was a class test, I guess, perhaps a quiz, where the students were giving, given a list by the teacher. They were to distinguish between fact and fiction. On that list was this question. There is a God, fact or opinion? Now what the teacher was looking for was this answer. That God was a commonplace assertion. But Jordan's faith was stronger than that. She wasn't just going to let that ride. And she answered, it depends on how you view God and what your faith in God is really like. The teacher read the answer and came back and said, that isn't correct, Jordan. Instead, you should have said, it's a commonplace assertion, and God isn't real. That did not set well with this young seventh grader. In fact, she ended up in front of the Katy, Texas school board and gave testimony, the whole truth, Nothing but the truth. And she said, my faith tells me that God is not a commonplace assertion. Wow. Jordan would have gotten along with Queen Esther. In fact, I wonder, do we really believe that God's got all the details in place? When we left Queen Esther last time, they were fasting. Mordecai, the Jewish people of Susa, they were fasting. Now was the moment. She had asked for a three-day fast. Now was the moment. We're going to see the unveiling of what happens next when Esther approached King Xerxes. But I wonder... When was the last time you and I stood up for what we believed in? We didn't waver because we believed that God's got all the details in place. It reminds me of one of my favorite verses, Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. Today I want to talk to us about what it means to put all of our faith and our trust in God because we believe that even when we can't see 
all of the pieces of the puzzle fit into place, we believe that God is real. He's not a commonplace assertion. And God's got all the details in hand. But we have to choose to submit to him in all our ways. We have to choose to trust him. Esther's going to take three bold steps this morning. And we need to take these three bold steps. I'm challenging each of us. We don't know what's coming up in the days ahead. But like Esther, we're going to learn what it means to put everything on the line. And these three steps are essential. Our first step is found in Esther chapter 5, verses 1 through 2. Let me read it. On the third day, Esther put on her royal robes and stood in the inner court of the palace in front of the king's hall. The king was sitting on his royal throne in the hall facing the entrance. When he saw Queen Esther standing in the court, he was pleased with her and held out to her the gold scepter that was in his hand. So Esther approached and touched the tip of the scepter. Okay, you ready? Here's bold step number one. Seek God and trust in his faithfulness. If we really believe that God has all the details in place, we can seek God and trust in his faithfulness. I wish I could have been there when this took place. Esther has finished fasting. In fact, I don't want you to miss this because we would only see it by looking into a literal translation of the Hebrew language. Literally, Esther has removed her fasting clothes. I even wonder if she put on burlap and covered herself in ash. What we do know is, is that literally we're told Esther put on her royalty. Esther got dressed up to go see the king. I think... I, I don't know what this would have been like for her, but in this moment, Esther knew that her entire life was on the line. She was going to have to sacrifice everything. I think Esther and Queen Elizabeth would have been close friends had they lived in the same time frame. Queen Elizabeth once said, in difficult times we may be tempted to find excuses for self-indulgence and to wash our hands of responsibility. But we need to go out and look for opportunities to help those less fortunate than ourselves, even if that service demands sacrifice. Esther was going to ask the king to accept her. Esther was going to ask the king to grant her an audience, but he had not called for her. In fact, if you remember, it's been 30 days since Esther has seen King Xerxes. But, live or die, Esther is ready to approach the king. And the king, we're told, is sitting in his hall, facing the doorway. Esther comes in. Can you picture this? She's gorgeous. She's beautiful. 
This is a young woman in her early 20s. She's adorned in all of her royal clothing. And she walks to see the king. I, I wonder at times, how did he feel when he saw her? One version of a Hebrew translation adds that he was angry. But I wonder if, in reality, she took his breath away. Like a bride takes away the breath of the groom when he sees her for the first time. And we're told that he extended the gold scepter to Esther. And she touched it and she knew that God had all the details in place. In fact, Esther models for us what it means to trust God. Seek God and trust in his faithfulness. Two insights just come boiling out of this passage. First, Esther embraced humility. I'm sure because I've done this in my own life, fasting isn't an easy decision. In fact, have you ever noticed that the only difference between the word fasting and feasting is the letter E? When I think of the letter E, I think of the word extravagance. When I'm feasting, I want to take in every moment, every morsel, and enjoy every minute. When I'm fasting, God calls me to avoid every distraction. I need to silence every voice but His. And I need to be present in His presence. When we see God and trust God to be faithful, Esther reminds us that she embraced humility. This is the reason that God was able to work in Esther and through Esther. And Esther was accepted by the king. But if we're going to literally seek God and trust in his faithfulness, something else jumps off the page at me. Esther remained determined. I'm so blessed and impressed that Esther didn't give in to her feelings when she saw the king. Don't you think Esther was full of anxiety? Okay, can you have faith and still be anxious? And I think the answer is yes. All of Esther's trust was in God, but this was the moment. Did God really have all the details in place? Yes, Esther had embraced humility, but it was really time to trust God's faithfulness, and she had to literally go and know that the king could completely disregard her, and the law was that she could be killed for approaching the king without a summons. I'm amazed because when God calls us to be world changers and the impact moment arrives, it's our choice. Do we shrivel up or stand up? Are we going to seek God and trust in his faithfulness? 
I'm reminded of a, a phenomenal story about a young Hispanic woman. She couldn't even really speak English. But this was many years ago when a church, many churches actually, had what was called a bus ministry. And buses were sent out all over towns in order to collect kids and bring them to church and hear the word of God. Well, this young Hispanic woman went to the the person in charge of the buses for this church and said, I want to ride along. I want to be one of the workers in her very broken English. And the man looked at her and said, you know, I, I understand your heart, but I don't know that you're really equipped or ready to do this. But she kept asking. She kept standing up. She refused to shrink back in her desire to do this. She knew God was calling her. And finally, the, the person coordinating the bus route said, you can ride. And so for about six months, she would ride with children, but there was one little boy that she got connected to. And every day, this little boy would get on the bus to go to church and to hear about Jesus. And this little boy would sit by this woman and she began in her broken English to say to him, every time they picked him up and every time they dropped him off, I love you and Jesus loves you. Now there was something about this little boy though. He didn't speak. He didn't speak a word to anyone. No one knew why, but his mother kept putting him on the bus. And all these months went by where this beautiful young woman, this worker, kept saying to this little boy, I love you, and Jesus loves you. Finally, one day, the little boy looked at her before they dropped him off, and he said, I love you too. Hours later, that little boy was beaten to death by his mother. He was put in a garbage bag and dumped in a dumpster. And the last words that he heard from someone who cared was a young woman who said, I love you and Jesus loves you. And you know why? Because like Esther, she sought God. She trusted in God's faithfulness. And she remained determined to make a difference in this world. Listen, I want you to hear this. Don't ever underestimate where God has placed you. Don't ever think for a moment that you're not a world changer. Wherever God has placed you in the moment he's placed you in, you may be overwhelmed, you may be exhausted or tired. You certainly may be questioning, does God really have all the details in place for my life? But I want you to take this first bold step. Seek God and trust in God's faithfulness. And when God asks you to stand up, stand up and stand firm. Esther did. And that leads to this next part of the story. In Esther chapter 5, verses 3 through 8, we read, Then the king asked, What is it, Queen Esther? What is your request? Even up to half the kingdom it will be given to you. If it pleases the king, replied Esther, Let the king, together with Haman, come today to a banquet I prepared for him. Bring Haman at once. The king said, so that we may do what Esther asked, 
So the king and Haman went to the banquet Esther had prepared. As they were drinking wine, the king asked, the king asked Esther again, Now what is your petition? It will be given to you. And what is your request? Even up to half the kingdom, it will be granted. Esther replied, My petition and my request is this. If the king regards me with favor, and if it pleases the king to grant my petition and fulfill my request, let the king and Haman come tomorrow to the banquet I will prepare for them. Then I will answer the king's question. Here's the next bold step. Let God prepare the way his way. Let God prepare the way his way. This is a tough one. This is a, a difficult thing for us to wrap our minds around. Because I don't know about you, but sometimes I wonder if God's really got all the details. Sometimes I wonder, does God need my help? Uh, God is God. He's sovereign. He needs us to embrace humility. He needs us to remain determined. But then we've got to trust that God knows what he's doing. The fast that Esther had been in not only gave her power and strength, but it opened her mind to a, a divine strategy. And we see it start to unfold. First, I think Esther is relieved. I think Esther is, is thinking, wow, I'm so thankful that King Xerxes, my husband, received me with the gold scepter. Okay, that part's over. But what I think really put Esther at ease was Xerxes' answer to her, the way he welcomed her. And he said, ask whatever you want. And even up to the half my kingdom, it will be yours. I often wonder what would it have been like if she had asked for half the kingdom. But that wasn't it. She was, she was on task. God had given her a divine strategy. What comes to mind is Proverbs 19.12. A king's rage is like the roar of a lion, but his favor is like dew on the grass. Listen, now that it's almost fall, or some of you would say it's fall, every time I go outside to walk our pup, in the mornings the grass is full of dew. I'm telling you right now, when I read this passage of Scripture, the entire palace was beginning to drip with the dew of King Xerxes' favor and love for Esther. And by the way, does this, does this surprise you? If you've been tracking with this story, does this surprise you? I would have been tempted to look at Xerxes, and I would have wanted to look at Xerxes and say, hey, I'm glad you asked me to... Come into your presence with the gold stick. You said I could have half of your kingdom. I don't want that. I want you to free all of the Jewish people from this sinful, crazy edict that Haman got you to sign. And oh, by the way, I'm a Jew too. Man, that would have been the temptation, right? Ask for it. Put the big ask out there. No, no, God's got the details. And Esther 
is operating within the divine strategy that God has given to her. And the strategy becomes clear to us. Patiently and strategically, Esther invited the king and Haman to a banquet that she had already prepared for the king. Did you, did you catch that little detail? Remember, we're talking about God's details. She already prepared the banquet by faith. She didn't wait. I want to say to Esther, if I knew her, I want to say, Esther, how do you knew this was going to be a, a celebration? It could have been your, your funeral. This could have been a royal wake instead of this great moment of affection from the king. You know why she did it? She knew that God had the details. God already had placed in her mind, listen, please be faithful with the details God's given you. If you know what God has said to you, embrace humility, remain determined, trust in God's faithfulness, but let God prepare the way his way. Let God begin to work in an incredible moment. In fact, I love Isaiah 40, 30 through 31. I, I read it throughout the year as a reminder that God has all the plans of my life worked out. Even you shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Did you hear what it said? They that wait on the Lord, God will renew your strength. Esther, man, feel the tension. Esther, Esther didn't blurt out all the details of Haman's sinister plot. She didn't reveal to the king, her husband, that she was a Jew and she would have to die too. No, what does she do? She's prepared a banquet because this is what God has laid on her heart. This is what the Lord was leading her to do. And she waited. Is anyone hearing the message this morning And God is asking you to wait, and it's one of the hardest things he's ever asked you to do. Now, by the way, waiting doesn't mean that you don't have anything to do at all. Esther was preparing a banquet. It started with fasting and prayer. That's something we can always do. But then she prepared a banquet because this is what God laid on her heart. And she's prepared herself physically. She's beautiful. She puts on the clothes. She doesn't go to the king in some death garb. No, she goes in the the full beauty of who God made her to be, first inside, then out. And Esther, Esther takes the, I think she took King Xerxes' breath away. And then when he says, honey, what do you want? You can have half my kingdom. She goes, will you come to a banquet that I prepared? And would you invite your number two guy? Would you invite Hammond? If you're willing to wait until we get to this banquet, I'd like like to start there. Please hear me when I say this. 
God's got the details. God's got the things worked out. Where you're at, what's going on, it may not seem like it, but he does. But we have to be willing to let God prepare the way his way. It, it reminds me of when my youngest daughter was preparing to go to college. She had gone for a music audition. And she got a letter that said, you're accepted into the program, but she was on like a, a probationary uh, time frame. She didn't get any scholarship funds. And she had gone to the school. She had prepared. She had uh, done an audition. We went, we sat, we listened. And it just so happened that I knew one of the music professors, personally. I grew up uh, doing ministry with her family and her when I was young. And I called her and I said, hey, I said, I'm not trying to be a, a boastful dad, a prideful dad, but I said, um, did you get Mary's audition tape? And, and how did that go? She goes, Drew, we didn't get Mary's audition tape. And I said, well, we came. They recorded it. She goes, we, we didn't get the tape. She said, let me get back to you. She said, uh, she called me a day later and she goes, can Mary make a new audition tape where you're at right now and can you drop it off immediately? Well, man, I live here. That's Indiana. But you know what? I called Mary and I said, Mary, put on your nicest dress. Come over. We got friends to help us to do uh, to play for her to sing. I recorded the uh, uh, audition tape, and then it just so happened, are you ready? I've said it twice now. It just so happened that I had a meeting only 30 minutes from the college the next in the next couple of days, that same week. I took the audition tape and dropped it off. Mary got a call. Mary, you're accepted. We love you. Your voice is awesome. She was given scholarship money. Listen, folks, this is an Esther moment. This is an Esther moment. Let God prepare the way his way. We don't know what the details are. Sometimes it seems like things are confusing and they're not working out the way we planned. But God's got the best plan waiting for you just like he did for my daughter, just like he did for Esther. In fact, when they got to the banquet, this is amazing. You want to talk about waiting on God and being patient in God's presence? This is amazing. The king asked her again, okay, Esther, we're at the banquet. What, what is it that your request would be? Again, he says, half my kingdom. And you know what Esther does? Did you hear it in the scripture? She says, can you come to another banquet again tomorrow? And I promise, I'll let you know what my request is. Man, the anticipation is building. God softened the heart of this king, and he says, yes! And now we're waiting for this incredible moment when God's love and truth breakthrough. But before we go there, let's look at the last part of this passage. Now, to give you the, the third bold step, 
I want you to realize a couple of things. Here's the first thing. We're going to get a glimpse into what Haman is doing. Okay? And to, to understand what bold step God is preparing Esther for, we need to actually see it through the lens of Haman's life. And I'm going to give you three insights as we break down this next piece. In fact, here's our third bold step. Our focus must be only on God. Our focus must be only on God. And we're going to see the opposite of this in Haman's life. Okay? Here's the first insight that we receive. Esther 5, 9 through 10, the beginning of the verse. Haman went out that day, happy and in high spirits, but when he saw Mordecai at the king's gate and observed that he neither rose nor showed fear in his presence, he was filled with rage against Mordecai. Nevertheless, Haman restrained himself and went home. Okay, remember this third bold step is our focus must be only on God. But what, what, is, what happens to Haman? What happens to Haman? Haman literally goes out in high spirits from this first banquet. And who does he see sitting at the gate? He sees Mordecai. Mordecai doesn't get up. And we're even told in this scripture, he's not afraid. Literally, he doesn't tremble. And when, when I see this and I, I'm thinking this through, I realize something about Haman. I realize that Haman is mad and enraged because blind spots are hot spots. Now, I want you to think about that for a moment. If we're going to focus only on God, we've got to know where our blind spots are. We have to be able to understand what God is saying and what God is doing in our midst. But when we are angry, when we're upset about something, then that becomes a hot spot for us and we, we're blinded to what God is trying to do. Haman was blinded to all that he had. He wasn't grateful at all for anything in his life. Nothing ever satisfied him. And because of that, he, he had these blind spots of being angry and upset. Listen, if we're going to take this third bold step with Esther, and our focus is going to be on God and God alone, we've got to know where our blind spots are. Because blind spots can become hot spots that end up destroying our lives and the lives of others. Let me give you this next passage of Scripture. Calling together his friends and Xerxesh, his wife, Haman boasted to them about his vast wealth, his many sons, and all the ways the king had honored him and how he had elevated him from above the other nobles and officials. And that's not all, Haman added. I'm the only person Queen Esther invited to accompany the king to the banquet she gave. 
and she has invited me along with the king tomorrow. Now notice verse 13. But all this gives me no satisfaction as long as I see the Jew Mordecai sitting at the king's gate. Okay, now just remember, we're taking this third bold step. And this third bold step that we're taking is our focus must be on God and God alone. But not only does Mordecai have blind spots that are hot spots, Mordecai now calls all of his friends and family together, especially his wife, and he boasts about everything he has. The focus is on him. The focus is on how great he is. The focus is all about how he's wealthy, he's rich, and even Esther had invited him to a banquet that day, and now she's asking for him to come to a banquet the next day. But don't miss that verse 13. All this gives me no satisfaction as long as I see that Jew Mordecai sitting at the king's gate. Here's the next insight. I call it this. Gloating leads to choking. Have you ever heard the phrase that we can choke on our own words? Literally, Haman is not focused on God at all. Now, I know you're saying, Pastor, well, he's a Persian. I get it. But what I'm telling you is, the only God in Haman's life was his pride, his riches, and his recognition. That's who Haman focused on. And what blows my mind here is, is that soon we'll find out that what Haman planned as destruction for Mordecai would literally become his own demise. Now just remember, if we're going to take the bold step with Esther, and our focus must be on God and God alone, then we must realize not only what our blind spots are, but we must also understand where, where are we gloating? Where are the things in our lives that we think we are better than someone else? What are the things that irritate us about other people? Haman was so upset and mad about Mordecai, he couldn't think straight. That wasn't from God. Esther could have easily justified that kind of a feeling toward Haman. But instead, she let God keep her emotions and her feelings in check. And that leads to this last part of chapter 5. In verse 14 we read, his wife Xerxes and all of his friends said to him, have a pole set up reaching to a height of 50 cubits and ask the king in the morning to have Mordecai impaled on it. Then go with the king to the banquet and enjoy yourself. This suggestion delighted Haman and he had the pole set up. Now let me, let me explain this to you. Let, let me just really make sure we're, we're, we're thinking about this clearly. His wife and his friends feed his ego. Remember, 
He's going to choke on this soon. What you gloat on, you choke on. His wife and his friends are feeding his ego. And they give him an idea. Set up a pole. Literally, it's a gallows. And the, the height of the gallows fits the size of Hammond's ego. It's 75 feet tall. It's, it's incredible. They want everyone to see that Mordecai is killed. And then they say, before you go to the banquet, go ask the king for Mordecai's life. Hmm. The plan is, is in place, Hammond thinks. But remember what we're doing here. We're doing the opposite of Hammond. This is Esther's bold third step. Our focus must be on God and God alone. And here is what's crucial. You and I must always realize that our inner circle influences our worldview. Whoever you and I let closest to us, those are the people that will influence our worldview. What we're thinking, how we act, and what we say to other people. For Hammond, it was his wife. Wow, what a support system she was. Hey, honey, why don't you erect a pole to impale Mordecai on? Why don't you build such a high gallows? And you know what? Hammond didn't have anybody else in his life, apparently, who said to him, this isn't a good idea, Hammond. Stop before you get yourself in trouble. In fact, everyone agreed, this is great. You should go to the king and ask for Mordecai's life. Demand it. Why? Because here's the thing. Our focus must be on God only, but our focus will be influenced by those that we let in our inner circle. Who's in your circle? Who are the people that you are putting your faith and your trust in? Who do you ask for wisdom from? This morning, I want you and I to really understand that our focus must be only on God. There's an old hymn that has been coming to mind throughout the preparation of this uh, message for today. I know it was complex. There's a lot of moving parts in it. But there's a simple hymn that's chorus says this. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Do you really believe that God's got all the details in your life? Even though you can't see how all the pieces are fitting together at times? Are we willing to seek God and trust in his faithfulness? Will we let God prepare the way his way? And are we willing to truly choose that our focus will be on God and God alone, regardless of what other people are saying and doing? Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. 
and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. I don't know what's going on in your life today, but I want you to know that God's got the details. He's for you, and if God is for you, who can be against you? Would you do this with me? We haven't done it in a while. Will you just hold out your hands? I want you to put your life in, your, in God's hands this morning. I want you to think of all those things that you're trying to get lined up, all the details, trying to get them in order, and just, just put your whole life in God's hands. As you and I stretch out our hands, let's pray and ask God to take all of us. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this awesome opportunity that we have to put our faith and our trust in you. You're an amazing God doing amazing things. We don't see all of the details coming together yet. The puzzle pieces seem to be big and, and, and enormous and they just don't fit. But God, you are in charge. Esther, Esther reminds us you've got a divine strategy if we'll listen and put all of our faith in you. God, we give you our lives. We've got our hands out. We put all of our lives in our hands and give it to you today. We turn our eyes on you, Jesus, and you alone. We ask for your strength. and We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I love you so much. You're amazing. You're awesome. Just keep hanging in there. We're, we're, I know we're on this cliffhanger with Esther. What's going to happen next? Let's be patient. Let's wait on God to renew our strength. And until we see each other again, take heart and be transformed. Hey, friends, thanks for listening. And if you want to be a part of our eFamily, then all you have to do to join us is click the link below and you can check us out on our YouTube page. You can also join us on social media. And if you'd like to support the ministry, then just click the link to give. We're so grateful for all of our partners and together we can do more than we can alone. So again, thanks to all of you for listening to this podcast and also thank you for helping us reach people around the world for Jesus Christ. Thank you.